Uh, yeah, one of my housemates was borrowing it, and the cat got very intrigued by the cable, knocked it off a desk, and broke the pop filter. <laughs> Whoops. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and this week I'm joined by another returning face. Kai, how you doing, buddy? Yo, hello, hello, hello. How are we? I'm, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing, man? Oh, not bad. Not bad <laughs> at all. Are you, uh, are you excited about curfew being lifted? You're going to go on your late night joy rides again? I mean... Is it bad if I say not really? Everything's still closed. <laughs> True. You can, you can you can stay out as late as you want, as long as you're within five kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> I can go and stand outside at 10.30. I can't actually <laughs> go anywhere. Uh, well, if you've been stuck at home, have you had the chance to play anything? Have you, have you caught any new games recently? Uh, I've been, I mean, kind of new, kind of old. I've been playing Mario Galaxy on the re-release. Ooh, which, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it's easier than I remember, which makes sense, because <laughs> last time I played it, I was 11. Yep. But, yeah, it was one of those things. I bought it for a friend with a Switch, but I was really buying it for myself. Fair enough. So, <laughs> <I> think... <laughs> so why Galaxy? Is that the one that you haven't played so far? Look, I haven't played Sunshine or Galaxy. Well, I played a yep. little bit of Galaxy when it first came out, and then I think we lost the disc. It's very sad. No. Uh, but Sunshine never never captured me in the way Galaxy did, so I don't know. I was keen yeah, to. I think I think Sunshine is kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the 3D Mario's. <laughs> it's a very divisive game, I believe. Yeah, controversial. Like mm. from mm. from gameplay I've seen, it looks alright. It's just not not as good as 64 and Galaxy, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely see that. With with Galaxy, are you, is it is it um, motion controls only? Uh, yeah, there's no way to turn them off, but they're significantly better than they were on the Wii. Like, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. It, it, but with the Wii, at least you had like seems like you had larger controllers to work with. You know, how is it with the Joy Cons? I found it really really good with the Joy Cons. Huh. Like, I don't really remember what it was like on the Wii, but you know they've been responsive and haven't ever gotten in the way. Yeah, so are, are you are you playing on your switch or are you playing on your mate's switch? I don't have a switch. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. That that answers so, the question. <laughs> yeah, thank God for housemates. <laughs> yeah, what have you been playing? Me, I, I speaking of the switch, I picked up Hades on Switch last week. I managed to catch it while it was still on like a twenty percent off sale for like launch. I, I've only played like forty five minutes or so, about an hour. Um, I've enjoyed it so far. It's I'm not. I haven't really played rogue-like or run-based games before, so playing this is kind of refreshing for me compared to like other games, especially because I've been playing a lot of just straight multiplayer games lately. So p- playing is a lot of fun, and it it controls very well. Uh, the art style is fantastic. The voice acting is really nice. Uh, it's got a really cool story, where you're basically the son of Hades who's the god of death, the great god of death, and you're just like trying to escape hell and you're, you're kind of like this bratty teenager trying to leave dad's 
like you know dad's man house like man cave <laughs> and every time you fail and you come back he always has some snarky comment to say about you trying to leave the house it's 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 pretty cool and it's probably the closest i'd say game to it is bastion so gameplay wise it seems very close to supergiant's first game in terms of the the feel of the action and, and the look as well, so that's definitely been fun so far, and uh, Rocket League's gone free-to-play, so if folks didn't know already that Rocket League is now free-to-play on all platforms, and I've just been delving into that, and Jesus Christ, that game, it looks deceptively simple. Uh, have you played it before, dude? Uh, I have played so much Rocket League. Loved it. I <laughs> have a love-hate relationship with it. Like I play it for... For hours every couple of months. And then <laughs> some idiot part of my brain is all like, maybe you should go on competitive mode. <laughs> nah. And then I have to turn it off and calm did, down. Did you find that game months. to be deceptively simple when you started playing? Uh, yes. I mean, 100%. Have you, have you watched like pro players... Play it I haven't YouTube? seen pro pro players, but I've seen kind of like tutorials and and like a pro player is kind of showing you and it's like, oh, this is what I'm going to show you in the next tutorial. And you're just like, what? Wait, what did you do? Like, what was that? And you're just like, what? I haven't seen pro level, but I think I've got to watch it. I've got to go on Twitch and watch some pro pro tournaments. I feel like I'm I'm at that level where if I'm on the ground, I know what I'm doing. Yep. And then. As soon as, you know, someone else takes to the air, I'm completely lost. It's like, it's like two different games. The ground game and the air game. And uh, it just boggles the mind what can be done. You get in these games like 3v3, where one person on each team is just flying around constantly and everyone else <laughs> yep. is just stuck on the ground. He's <laughs> just like, oh, I got the ball, I got the ball. Oh, I whiffed it. Oh, yep. No, nope, don't worry, they've got it. <laughs> We'll uh we'll see how we go this week. I'm playing, hopefully with Ed and Lucas. So when this podcast goes up, so later tonight on Wednesday, uh, playing some Rocket League, maybe with the community, maybe with the public. We'll see how we go. I'm sure that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be cheering <laughs> you guys on. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, but before we talk about the the major news coming up in in the the past week. How about we talk about what was on our website this past week? Uh, we had a, a few, a handful of stories go up. Um, we had Harry's Marvel Avengers review. We had John's flagship files piece about Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube. Then we had Zach's Adventures of Pip review of the Switch version. And then we ended the week with Liam's review of Kingdoms of Armalor Re-Reckoning, which, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't... I, was not expecting to see that game resurrected of all games, but hey, that's that's an interesting one. It did sort of come out of nowhere. Like yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of Kingdoms of Amalur or Amalur. Amalur? Amalur. Yeah, it's it's a very storied game from about ten years ago in that the the story behind the the studio, thirty eight studios basically set up by an ex-baseball star and then they borrowed money from the government and then uh, the company went under and the government then started hunting him down and hunting all the like you know money from all the shareholders like it, it was a, it was a big mess That's... see that sounds like a great game <laughs> De- uh, game dev simulator 2020 
fraudulent game dev sim. <laughs> fraudulent. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I'd say fraudulent. Like uh, Kurt allegedly put a lot of fraudulent. his own money into it. He he seemed very like genuine, but the thing is, it's like you're you're a fantastic baseball player, and you've got some money to throw around, right? Doesn't necessarily make you the best game developer slash studio owner. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those problems that can't actually be solved with enough yeah. money. And, and the thing is, Kingdoms of Armalore Reckoning in the first place was meant to be was a single player game, single player RPG, and the sales of that were meant to fund the larger Kingdoms of Armalore MMO, which never came to light. Right. See, all all I know about the whole thing is that I know Grant Kirkhope did the soundtrack. Yep. Which Legendary is very rare compared composer and ukulele composer yeah which is now that i'm saying it out loud almost convincing me to go and get it right now because <laughs> i love grant kirkhope of course of course but i don't know we'll have to see we'll have to see definitely well there's a review on the side for you to read once you get off this all right yeah <laughs> what are you talking about i read all of the articles on double jump So those were the stories that were on the website last week. How about we talk about the major gaming news that took over the airwaves this past week. The first story, and probably the biggest one of the week, was Microsoft announcing that it's acquired Bethesda Softworks for $7.5 billion. So Microsoft announced that it, it, it purchased ZeniMax Media, which is the parent company of Bethesda, uh, and like, oh mate, it's it's a huge deal because you you're seeing games like, you know, the next Elder Scrolls game, Doom, Quake, um, Elder Scrolls Online, Deathloop, all these all these games joining the Microsoft games like the Xbox Game Studio stable, and with the deal, Microsoft's now like basically running twenty four different studios. Uh, versus about I think thirteen studios that Sony owns outright. So the the main the main thing to keep in mind now is that this is like a feather in the cap for Microsoft when it comes to the the battle over the next generation of exclusives. Now so far Microsoft has committed to maintaining uh, the the deals that it, that have already been in place. So for example, uh, Bethesda Softworks, which is the publisher. Uh, publishing arm of Bethesda, uh, owns a number of studios, and a couple of those studios, so Arcane, uh, which best known for the Dishonored franchise, is working on a new game called Deathloop, uh, and also Tango Gameworks, which previously made the Evil Within games, is uh, making a game called Ghostwire Tokyo. Now, both those games are actually timed PlayStation 5 exclusives, and as of this writing, Microsoft has committed to keeping those games uh, as exclusives for PS5 for the time being. So, in a, in a weird way, Microsoft is technically publishing games that will be exclusive to the PS5 for a certain amount of time. How crazy does that sound, dude? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> oh, my God. I just... Like, you couldn't tell, like, your younger self that this was going to be happening anytime let alone like this soon. <laughs> yeah, this this seems to have happened very very quickly. 
I mean, they're saying um, yeah. Doom Eternal is going to be their sort of first big new Game Pass edition, and that's happening on October. Yeah, that's like, like that's, October 1st, so that's uh, later this week. How crazy. Yeah. Like, like, oh, man. So Part of me wonders the, if they just forgot to announce it earlier in the year <laughs> and I got yeah. to this point and were like, oh, no, we're adding Doom Eternal in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so it, for, for those of you who aren't familiar, there is basically two sides to Bethesda. There's Bethesda Game Studios, which is the developer, so that's in charge of Fallout and The Elder Scrolls, and there's Bethesda Softworks, which is the publishing side, and that publisher owns id Software, which is responsible for Doom and Quake, Arcane, so Dishonored, Deathloop, Machine Games, which is looking after the Wolfenstein franchise, Zenimax Online Studios, which uh, creates The Elder Scrolls Online, Tango Gameworks, which is developing Ghostwire Tokyo. Like, those are major studios that are going to be, you know, having all of their new games besides the PS5 exclusives launching day and date on Game Pass like for you know whatever it is a month in Australia like 15 16 bucks a month like that's crazy crazy value and what's even more kind of striking is that Microsoft has pointed out that Starfield which is the next kind of major RPG coming from Bethesda Game Studios is now listed as only coming to Xbox consoles and PC. So that doesn't necessarily mean that a PS5 release will be ruled out completely, but it could mean that maybe for at at least for a certain amount of time, you know, six months or 12 months, the next big Bethesda RPG is going to be exclusive to Microsoft systems. That's that's a a huge get for Microsoft. I think we're going to see a lot more of these sort of timed exclusives which I guess is better than than not getting it at all. Yeah. But I don't know. It's on the one hand, it would be very easy for Microsoft to say, "No, you're not getting it," and sell a, you know a million more consoles. Yeah. Uh, but I think a company like Bethesda is too profitable to pass yeah. up, you know, those other console sales. Well, that's the thing. Like you know, the Elder Scrolls Six is coming. You know, we're expecting uh, Bethesda's spoken about a 2022 kind of release for that, right? Can what what do you think? What do you think will happen if Microsoft comes out and says, "Oh, Elder Scrolls Six is exclusive to Xbox and PC"? What the hell do you think is going to happen in the, in the gaming world? I think the gaming world will explode uh, and get very very <laughs> angry, and will then go and buy Xboxes. And then, like the oh. gaming world is very good at uh, getting really, really angry and then moving on very quickly. And they're like, all right, I guess this is how exactly. things are now. I mean, Sony announced that Final Fantasy 16 is going to be exclusive to PS5 and console for the foreseeable future. Now, no, I don't think I don't think anyone really kicked up a fuss about that because oh, it's Final Fantasy. It's legacies on the Sony, you know, on the Sony systems, right? Yeah. Now, if it was the other way around where Final Fantasy 16 was exclusive to Xbox, I guarantee a lot of people would be like, oh, Microsoft's ruining gamers, you know, it's ruining gaming for everyone. Look at this. This is bullshit. Like, oh, these these double standards are funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's <laughs> fine with exclusives when it's in exclusive for the console they own. Like, I mean, Microsoft, yes had a little bit better of a launch than Sony. But, I mean, as we saw in the news, you know, with Sony making it clear that they're making more 
you know, standard PS5s and digital edition consoles. Like, it's not going to really, you know what I mean? Like, that, that whole idea of Game Pass being the focus is is going to be a bit tough when you consider the fact that a lot of people over here, you know, in Australia still buy discs. You know, we, we don't have the internet to handle, you know, <laughs> a 200 gigabyte Skyrim or, you know, Elder Scrolls 6 install. So... I don't know, man. I think that's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see how Microsoft kind of positions the Xbox Series S because at least the PS5 all-digital edition is basically a regular PS5, but it's 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 nowhere near as cheap as the Xbox Series S, which you can see a big install base of people with no disk drive trying to struggle for that. Yeah, I think on an Australia level, because of that internet, you know, struggles that we're still facing i think yeah. microsoft <laughs> this isn't as big a move for microsoft as it might be otherwise hmm. but i still think sony's gonna have a hell of a time sort of competing with it i also note that we've both gone immediately very cynical you know like microsoft's 100 percent gonna exploit this for money <laughs> <laughs> there is a possibility yeah. as slim as it is that microsoft will just sit back and let things go as they were before and just rake in the money <laughs> That's what that's what uh, ex- the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, has been telling outlets is that you know Microsoft wants to be kind of hands off with Bethesda, and let it do its thing, and and you know how you mentioned before that like Bethesda is too profitable to let its games just sit on one system. Maybe that's the counter argument to not having an exclusive, you know, Elder Scrolls Six or whatever is that there's plenty of people who are happy to buy DLC or or buy you know the game on on ps5 so you don't want to leave that money on the table what do you yeah. think look i reckon the best move for microsoft would be to to leverage those games with you know dlc exclusive content stuff like that but still have them available because yeah. people people will you know be making decisions about which consoles to get based on this alone so i think you mm. they'd have to leverage it somehow but i don't think exclusivity is the way to go what if there's like exclusive dlc yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm thinking that that'll be uh that'll be interesting you know oh you know you'll get yeah you'll play the game on ps5 but if you want the full story you got to get it on xbox yeah like the arkham city catwoman stuff oh Oh, yes which i i maintain is the a good example of how to do sort of extra content that was on. That was on. Uh, was that Arkham's? Yeah, that was the second game. That was right? Rocksteady, Arkham City. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, you get oh, you get wow, the full yeah, game, right. and then the Catwoman stuff is is tied in, but it's you know, it's separate, and you can get the full experience without it. I reckon that's the way to go. Yeah, because I I played that because I I got like the game of the year edition, so I got it a few years later. So for me, it was just already in there but you're right i can't imagine playing the game without having that context of the catwoman side of things <laughs> yeah that's i that is true i haven't actually played it without the catwoman side <laughs> <laughs> maybe without it it's like a horrible game <laughs> the story doesn't make sense at all <laughs> that's true without it catwoman just jumps in and out at random spots did you want to take this next story about probably one of the most popular games we've got going right now, which is Among Us, and uh, what the developer's up to. Yeah, well, you know, I think last week we were talking about Among Us 2, 
and this week it's been cancelled, <laughs> which is, yeah. Uh, but the developer Innersloth has said they're going to add the features they were going to put in Among Us 2 and add them back to the original, focus on expanding and optimizing that. And then maybe later on, they'll bring in Among Us 2. Do you think that's a good move? Uh, I don't know. I think it's... <laughs> I don't think there is a good move for a game that you've already sort of written off. And then two years later, it explodes <laughs> into popularity again. How do you account for that? That's just crazy. I mean, I feel bad for Innersloth because they've been off working on other things and have now sort of been forced to go, go back to this 2018 game and you know, account for 110,000 users per hour. <laughs> I wonder what, this, what the catalyst was for the resurgence. I wonder if it was like a YouTuber kind of mentioning it or just... I'm pretty sure it was know, Twitch. Was it organic? It's always Twitch. Let's be real. Yeah, but it's like... But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but this game's been on there for two years. Like, what was it? Was there like a particular, like, very popular uh, Twitch player that just like kind of said, hey, you know what? Check this game out and then it just exploded from there. I actually don't know. Uh, I'm gonna going to have a look. Look up now. The wonders of the internet because I want to know. Fact-checking, the enemy of all podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but Kai is a responsible journalist, so he has to... He will look this up for you at home. Uh, it was Soda Poppin'. It was a a specific streamer called Soda Poppin'. Exploded into popularity. And if he's listening, what have you done? <laughs> you are the imposter. <laughs> Did you think about how this would affect Inner Sloth Soda Poppin'? <laughs> you know what? I'm sure people at Inner Sloth are kind of grateful as well that they've got, you know, a lot more revenue coming into the to the company, I mean, which means they can, you know, maybe work on some other, put some more resources behind some other games they've been thinking about. That is true. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> they've said they're going to go right back into the core sort of code and rework it, make it a little bit, little bit easier to run. And let, put less strain on the servers, which I think... That's going to be tough because... Everyone who's played Among Us has had server issues. <laughs> Even games like Call of Duty can launch with, with problems like that and servers overloading and things. Like, imagine like a tiny studio like this on a two-year-old game just trying to, you know, cobble together any solution they can. I mean... Oh, those poor guys and girls. I'm amazed the servers are still running and haven't exploded. That just shows you the the human spirit, you know, to persevere and, and take on challenges. So kudos to the team at Innersloth for, you know, you know, uh, doing as good a job as you could probably do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think every, everyone's a winner with this, I mean, except in the immediate Innersloth. So we're going to have to pull some exactly. serious crunch time. <laughs> but long term, oh, no. they'll, make, they'll make some more cash from it. We get, you know, a better game. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe it, it gives it it gives the like kind of sets the stage for Among Us being kind of like a platform for content to be rolled out consistently, rather than you know waiting on a traditional sequel every every year or every couple of years type thing. So maybe that'll keep the momentum going for players. So to bring in a couple new maps occasionally. Yeah, hell, hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. Speaking of uh, new starts and, you know, starting from an established 
base. Some of the folks behind uh, the Skullgirls game and kind of who were caught up in the wake of the I don't know the the f- public breakdown of Mike Zaymont from Lab Zero. So a few of those developers have actually come forward and created a new studio called Future Club. So uh, some names you might recognize from our original story about basically the 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 owner of Lab Zero Games, Mike Zaymont, kind of telling, like dissolving the company and uh, following, what, months of allegations of misconduct. Um, so basically the uh, so artist Mario Cartwright and then we had Jonathan, Kim, and Brian Jun, kind of the three main voices of the outcry regarding Zaymont and his treatment of his staff and the dissolution of some of the deals that were going to share equity or the ownership of the studio among the, the staff. They've actually come together and created a new studio called Future Club, which is uh, going to be... It's going to be an employee-owned cooperative studio, so it's kind of delivering on the promise of what lab zero games was meant to become and it looks like the 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 trio are building up a trip uh building up a team that's going to be working on some new uh intellectual properties so some maybe some awesome new ideas will come out and is it's interesting to see that you can get some positivity out of such a bad situation and you know what it's a it's a about as good a time as any is to to start a new project because we ain't going anywhere. <laughs> you know, might as well stick together and and create something new. Yeah. Well, what I mm. find really interesting is that they still hold the Skullgirls sort of copyright, uh, which was sort of Lab Zero's big claim to fame, very very popular. Yeah. So yeah, Skullgirls, the 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 rights holder, Autumn Games, and the and the. the the developer of the mobile version, Hidden Variable, they've previously said that that they are open to working with yeah. the people who worked at Lab Zero. Well, so also sort of cut ties with Mike Zamont. Yep. So rightly so, I think, given the allegations that have been leveled against him. So yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if both those companies have said they're open to working with the people who used to be at Lab Zero, then there's definitely a good chance that you know Future Club could get some work with some new projects under those, you know, under those publisher banners. It'll be, it'll yeah. be awesome. Look, I reckon Future Club's in a really, really good spot. They've got you know, established friends like Autumn Games and Hidden Variable. You know, they've got a big franchise under their belt, some really, really, you know, talented names. Yeah. Like, I can't think of, you know, many others. Maybe, oh, uh, maybe Team 51. But other than that, I can't really think of any developers who would have sort of more to more to bring to the table right off the bat. Wait, which one's Team Fifty One? Why does that sound very familiar? Uh, Team Fifty One sort of publishes. Uh, no, what am I thinking of? Are you thinking of Team Seventeen? I am thinking like of Team Seventeen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I was like, wait, what are you talking about? I don't know where I got Fifty One from. It's all good. Uh, maybe you're thinking of like Area 51. Maybe. That failed raid from earlier this year. Pre-COVID oh, raid on Area my 51. my God, was that this year? Oh, mate. I 
I don't think so. Jesus. I know, right? <laughs> My God. Uh, well, if, if anything, given the pedigree of Skullgirls and Indivisible, uh, you know, both games that came out of Lab Zero, like, you can definitely expect the artwork and the gameplay to be really solid, if anything. So, it, regardless, we're probably going to be in store for a, a really good game in the next couple of years from these guys. So, you know, kudos to them for starting something fresh and... Hopefully we hear about the new game soon. Yeah. And uh, just to editorialize for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Suck it, Mike. <laughs> very, very professionally responsible. But, you know, I like your style. Uh, I'm, I'm a good, well-balanced journalist. What can I say? <laughs> you know what? Hopefully by the end of 2020, we can weed out all the dickheads from the industry. or the alleged dickheads from the industry. Look, I think all the dickheads is a big ask. But let's just get a couple. You know, let, let's settle on that. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll make us happy for this Christmas. <laughs> uh, anyway, we might well, have to move on. Yeah, I think so. Well, how about we talk about something a bit nicer? How about we talk about you know our lovable friend Kirby? What's happening in the world of Kirby, buddy? Uh, well, <laughs> Kirby is demolishing his friends in Kirby Fighters Two. Oh no! Not again, <laughs> Kirby. He's out. He's loose. Uh, everyone's <laughs> favorite little sort of innocent fluff ball. Has absolutely cracked. Yeah, so tell us, tell us what happened with Nintendo and the whole like announcement, not announcement thing. Yes, that was weird. Uh, so <laughs> Kotaku spotted uh, sort of Kirby Fighters Two uh, on Nintendo's website, uh, sort of released or announced a little bit earlier than expected, uh, and Nintendo mm. responded by immediately just releasing it. Uh, which is, I guess, one way to respond to respond to a leak. That's got to be one for the uh, the textbooks, the business textbooks. Yeah. How to deal with a leak? Just uh, well, if you did it yourself, just just release it and pretend like it was meant to happen that way. Yeah, no, I don't think they they quite managed to to pull off their hiding it because uh, we all know it was leaked. Mm. But yeah, Kirby Fighters Two sort of dropped on the Switch, uh, a sequel to Kirby Fighters Deluxe which was on the DS, so it sort of made its way from handheld to the big console. Kirby yeah. can can smash kind it out. Like a little Kirby fighting game with, like, King DD and... D- wait, sorry, King DDD. I always get that wrong. Yeah, King DDD and... <laughs> and Meta Knight and the stuff. The Waddle Dees. Just... <laughs> of all the Nintendo characters to get a fighting game, Kirby is just the last one you would expect. Like, Kirby's already OP in Smash Brothers. Like, come on. Like, he's already had enough of the limelight. Yeah. Does he right. need his own game? <laughs> the, Again. the Kirby fighting game was Smash Bros. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Not everything's all rosy in the world of Nintendo. I mean, I... like, has has your housemate experienced any of that Joy-Con drift issue that people have been complaining about? I think my one's got it, but I haven't really played with the, the Joy-Con. I've, I think I've used mostly the Pro Controller. I mean, I think he's he's struggled a little bit with it, but not enough to sort of go for a lawsuit. But really, <laughs> yeah. But apparently, some people have it significantly worse. Uh, in that yeah, Nintendo is facing angry French people. Yeah, yeah. It, there is a class action lawsuit against Nintendo of America by a U.S. law firm on behalf of uh, all the purchasers switches and Joy-Con controllers for alleged defects, uh, as in Joy-Con drift. Yeah, and that and that's the thing. Like, that was last year, and now we've got what is it? UFC care? Uh, sh- 
Oh god, I'm gonna ruin this. Uh, UFC K Trasseur <laughs> it released a statement. So it's kind of like a like a consumer group in in France uh, has now planned has basically filed the lawsuit against uh, Nintendo of France, saying that Nintendo basically created quote unquote planned obsolescence uh, by making sure that its consoles were made in a way that caused premature kind of issues with the joy cons and you needing to have and then you have to buy new joy cons or pay for upgrades uh pay for fixes uh even though uh, they you know even when even when nintendo said it's gonna fix the joy cons after the repair was like after the warranty was over yeah well nintendo stopped sort of charging for repair off the bat and started refunding people who'd sort of already paid yeah, uh, but it never actually acknowledged that there was a problem until sort of just just recently, and now yeah, like six or something months ago. Yeah, and uh, that apparently wasn't enough for UFC K Schwassi. Yeah, for this French place. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like in Australia, we we've got pretty strong, you know, consumer watchdogs like the ACCC. So. I'm surprised that we haven't seen something similar here yet, but part of that could just be the fact that we're such a small population that we don't have kind of such a big market to warrant a, such a large response. But I've got a Nintendo Switch, like the newer version, the one that got released late last year. And even my one has got a bit of that Joy-Con drift. So, I mean, they said they addressed it a few months ago, but I don't know, man. Like, just... You, you just do a better job of doing quality testing. Like, what the hell, man? I mean, You're selling I d- millions of these consoles. I don't know what happened between sort of 1996 when, you know, I think a Game Boy got hit with a bomb and was fine. Yeah. Uh, to now when a Joy-Con just existing causes it to sort of break. Maybe what Nintendo's been doing with every release of new handheld hardware is like shaving like a millimeter or half a millimeter off the like the plastic and then no one noticed until it just kind of reached a breaking point with the Joy-Con maybe. And then we need, we need like, damn it, they caught us. Original Game Boy size Joy Cons. <laughs> yep. Eight double A batteries that run out in half an hour. <laughs> we'll solve a problem. Back, we'll solve a problem with another black problem. And white screen, the green screen. Yeah, no backlighting. <laughs> and uh, you can't play it in the sun, otherwise the screen will melt. <laughs> It'll still work, I, you just won't be able to see. <laughs> I actually had that. I had a friend growing up who had one of the like the special edition Pikachu Game Boy Colors. And then we went and played outside. And he left his um, Game Boy like, in the sun. And then we came back like an hour or so later after we were playing footy. And then... His like screen had like melted. Oh man! <laughs> and it was like a new console. That is, I was like devastating. He was so bummed out. Yeah, oh. it's like God damn it. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know. I felt bad for him, but hey, I'm sure. I'm sure he learned his lesson. Maybe he won't do that. Maybe he hasn't been. Maybe he's been like encasing his like all these later consoles in like these special cases and stuff. Well, hearing about this makes me wonder if Joy-Con drift is really what the class action lawsuit should have been about. <laughs> let's get let's get justice for all the melted Game Boy screens. We need to sue the sun. It's too hot. Yeah. UV rays. 
Look, Nintendo called this back in Super Mario Brothers 3. The sun is the real enemy. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it'll it, it'll chase you but in a different way. It'll take your it'll take your electronics away from you. Oh, poor Mario. <laughs> lost, and it's, lost and his it'll game smile boy. the entire time. Yeah. No, I'm going to be really interested to to see what happens with it. Yeah. Mm. Like, mm. I don't know. I think it's going to be a interesting precedent if it goes ahead that's the thing maybe it'll be like cheaper to just fix the stuff and it'll look make nintendo look a bit better the eyes of consumers who knows yeah or maybe they'll just like give away like a free game and then everyone will just forget about it yeah true (laughs) i don't know i'll have to see what's cheaper giving a free pokemon game to everyone who owns a switch or fixing the problem (laughs) <laughs> Maybe they'll get a surprise version of Super Mario Galaxy 2 because that's strangely absent from that collection. We just need someone to accidentally leak it and then the next day, Super Mario Galaxy 2, it'll come out. Well, that's the thing. Like, like speaking about that collection, you know, y- you've played the Zelda games as well. Yes. Would you, what would you, what would be like your three games that you'd put on there? Like your three Zelda games, or three? How about this? What? Let's say Nintendo does another like re-release, right? Of like three, um, three D Nintendo games. What would be the three games that haven't already been released that you'd like to see in like a collection? Ooh, just any three D Nintendo games. Yep. I mean, Ocarina of Time, obviously, that has to be on there. Yep. Probably Wario Land three. Is that three D? I, no, but I want it to be re-released. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna gonna spend one of my 3D games to get a 2D game re-released. That's that's how much. <laughs> so Warrior Land. That's 3, how much that I love on, Warrior Land. Is that on 3. GBA? Yeah. Yep. I think that was, is that the first one in GBA. I think it was. Uh, yes. I, I think Warrior Land was first in the original Game Boy. Yeah. I'm racking my brain trying to think of like. Because I, I remember Mario I remember games. playing Warrior Land. Yeah. I, so Warrior Land 3 is a Game Boy Color game. And I think there was like Warrior Land 4, which I remember the Warrior Land games as being just like ridiculous. Yeah. They're just a lot of fun. Yeah, look, I reckon reckon Warrior is our guy. I think I think the one I remember playing was Warrior Land 4. I remember there was like I remember Wario like the intro cutscene featuring Wario trying to grab gold. But maybe that's just him in every game. I think that's that's just his thing. He's all about that life. He's all about that yeah. gold life. I can third. I'm gonna have to go Luigi's Mansion two. Okay, so that's the one that was on the 3ds, right? New Moon. Yeah. Okay. Why, why that one in particular? I just think. And not the first one. I mean, Luigi's Mansion one, maybe, but I feel like more people will have played that. And I want to bring Luigi's mm. Mansion 2 to everyone. I feel like okay. more people will have had that. a GameCube than will have had a 3DS. That's just Are you sure about that. That's just a complete guess. <laughs> there are so many DSs, oh, okay. I can't keep track of them all, and I don't know. I think you're right in that. Which the, the the Luigi's Mansion, the original game, was kind of like it was a like a launch stalwart for the for the GameCube. So you're right. I think that was. That makes sense in terms of more people having exposure to it because it was just like one of the only games you would be able to play on the GameCube in its first year. Whereas the, with New Moon, that was kind of like a later 3DS release, I'm pretty sure. 
Plus, I feel like I I want to have a more recent game, uh, just because yeah. I've got one game from 1996 and one game from 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, something uh, new, yeah. something old. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> If I'm releasing something this blue. game, blue. I don't want to be pigeonholed as that one guy who only plays games in the 90s. So I've got to put <laughs> Luigi's Mansion 2 in there just to prove prove that I'm cool and with it. Well, Warrior Land 3 came out in the year 2000, so uh, let's. Uh, you, you, you're going to be the guy who only plays games from a nine, the late 90s or 2002. <laughs> I'll take it. Or 2000. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know what? We, we need that. We need that on the team, so there you go. You've you've been awarded that that spot. Sweet. Um, I'll I'll be <laughs> waiting to hear from Nintendo any day now. <laughs> uh, well, one person you don't have to wait to hear from is Mike Morhaim, who was one of the f- co-founders of Blizzard and former CEO. So he's actually set up a brand new game publisher called Dreamhaven, and it's a uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what these guys get up to. So basically, Mike Morhaime, uh late last week, announced that he has set up a new game company named Dreamhaven, and he's brought along some former Blizzard veterans with him as well. So it's actually got two studios that are under its wing. The first one being Moonshot Games, which is led by Jason Chase, Dustin Browder, and Ben Thompson. All three of them have worked at Blizzard with uh, on Hearthstone and StarCraft II, among other games. And the second studio is Secret Door, which is led by Chris Sagatti, Alan Dabiri, and Eric Dodds, also of Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm fame. So there's a lot of I don't know, there's a there's a lot of Hearthstone kind of pedigree there. So I bet one of I'm speculating that at least one of the games that this new kind of publisher is working on is gonna be some sort of card game. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that Yes, no specific details were announced about the games that the companies are working on, but the Dreamhaven's promising that it's quote-unquote trying to create original gaming experiences that foster meaningful connections between players. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not quite sure what that means. Are they going for like some sort of journey-esque, you know, bonding exercise? Is that what these games are going to do? What do, you, what do you think, what are you expecting to see from uh, people that used to work at Blizzard? I mean, to me, that creating original gaming experience that foster meaningful connections sounds like they passed the marketing to the intern for a day and he came up with that. Like, that just, I don't understand what that means and I'm not entirely sure it means anything. Maybe it'll be like VR. Maybe it's like a virtual reality and you, you, can, you, can, you can reach out and touch the other player. I mean, maybe, and that will be very impressive if it happens. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, what what intrigues me is that hmm. Mike Morhaim has left and started almost three companies for the price of one. Yeah, which is just—I don't think it's happened before in the games industry, at least. Where most publishers start as developers and then make their money that way, and then buy other studios. Yeah. Which is kind of like what happened with uh, Double Fine. Now Double Fine published games and now it's part of Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. I think this is the the first example, at least that I know of, of it happening the other way around. I don't know, wondering your thoughts on that. 
like I mean I'm always excited to see kind of new projects come up and and people who who are kind of known for one thing trying to create something new and the thing is that Blizzard it's kind of a very strange company because there are a lot of negative reports coming out of there in terms of the 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 company culture in recent years and the you know people struggling to kind of even you know <laughs> make enough money to like kind of pay for rent and like you hear ridiculous things like people sleeping in the office and stuff like that and you know like i mean crunch culture is kind of central to a lot of gaming development unfortunately and i'm not sure if blizzard's kind of like you know immune to that and i think blizzard's had a few misses like the initial reaction to diablo wasn't positive i mean diablo 3 was a massive fiasco back in 2012 when it was like kind of an always online one of the first always online required games i mean like heroes of the storm didn't really take off the way that blizzard wanted to what was the other thing like hearthstones kind of tapered off in over the last couple of years i think a lot of people have kind of lost interest in that and gwent has come kind of like come come around and taken hearthstones lunch and like overwatch is like it's around like, i don't think we, people really talk about overwatch anymore like nothing no one really pays attention to the big announcements coming out of there so i don't know blizzards oh, like starcraft 2 like the last part of that came out a couple of years ago i mean warcraft remastered i mean people i think people like I think people like what Blizzard's done before, but its recent things haven't really caught people's attention the way that the classic games did. Like, Overwatch probably was the last game that really took, you know, gamers by storm, and that's tapered off. Like, And they announced... Maybe, yeah. They announced Overwatch 2 not long ago, and it really seemed to just go nowhere. Yeah, because it's like a lot of the stuff in Overwatch Two is in is going to be added to Overwatch, and then yeah, it just in like a, be a separate game. It just became confusing, like a blip on the radar for about a week, and then no one cared anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's just because there's no BlizzCon or anything happening, really. Like no big kind of show. I mean, I think that's that's probably the best move, considering how the last BlizzCon went for them. I can taking yeah. taking a year off is a good move on Blizzard's part. I don't remember that going too well. I feel like there was a lot of controversy there or something. Uh, I think yeah. it was around the Hong Kong China stuff. They made oh, yeah, they yeah, made that, the that, wrong that's call still on that sore. one. I, I think that was also like late last year. That was yeah, that was not a that did not go down well. No, and, and that was at the same yeah. time as the Diablo yeah. mobile game. So that was just a bad couple of days for Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's not going to be fine. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll, what we'll see is that these these kind of creative people these developers who you know one of the developers there has been around it was at blizzard from not like since like 1996 <laughs> like that's a very long time to be at blizzard and he only stepped down like a couple of couple of years ago so that's like what uh, 22 years at one studio you know it's about time to start something fresh so hmm. uh, you know what i'm excited say so, just like with culture club i mean sorry future club definitely excited to see what these guys put out yeah. fingers crossed that they you know are going to take what they've learned from blizzard including the missteps and make something better and not just repeat some of the mistakes that blizzard's made recently w- would there be anything that you'd want them to make like anything that you're like oh yeah 
I've liked this thing that Blizzard's done before, but I just wish it was better. Like, do you have anything like that? I <laughs> Overwatch. Just because Overwatch, Overwatch is good, but it could have been great. Yeah. I feel like just... Wait, what, do you, what do you think it fell short? <sighs> I feel like they put too much emphasis on sort of adding lore and all these clues and stories. Just give us some more characters. We don't need the cutscenes and the... ARGs and all of that. Let's <laughs> focus, focus on the game. Because I think the game itself, what well, I think it came out in what 2016 or something, hmm. like four years ago now. Like the the game fundamentally hasn't changed. Don't get me wrong. Some of those sort of short films and stuff they've released have been great. Yep, definitely. But I would have liked that to just be in the game. Like all the effort hmm. that they put into that, put it into the game. Uh, less emphasis on loot boxes and I reckon people would have cared about Overwatch 2. And that's the thing, like Valorant's kind of come around and taken what Overwatch did and applied it to Counter-Strike. And then, I mean, I mean last year we had uh, Apex Legends take what Overwatch did and combine it with Battle Royale. So, you know, other people have taken what Blizzard did and, and improved on it, so... I think it's about time that Blizzard's really shaken up Overwatch and that confused messaging about what's Overwatch 2 versus what's staying in Overwatch 1. Uh, it's just, maybe it's like a, a sign that things aren't right. Like, there's there's something going on at Blizzard and we're gonna... We're, and, and these are kind of like the, the signs showing that trouble's afoot. Maybe they've just been coasting on World of Warcraft for too long and it's going to be maybe. the kick they need. That's true. I mean, that thing's been like a, a cash cow since 2004, so... Yeah, and it's still going strong from what I hear. Yeah, exactly. It's just one of those games that's like, it's always been around. Hmm. It's just, you know, you, kids are just going to... Kids have grown up in the time that, that that game come out, and now they're they're old enough to buy their own games and play games, and just World of Warcraft's just been a thing in the background, <laughs> you know? I know one of my housemates yeah. has been super into it recently. So, oh really? Yeah. Uh, remastered or like kind of the no the original. Well, the no. Warcraft just yeah. regular. Yeah. <laughs> Which is he was he's been playing it since sort of he was eleven. Wow. So Shit. yeah, it's it's keeping its audience. I don't know, man. At playing playing World of Warcraft when you're eleven, I don't know if that's like bad parenting or just letting them do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, we could discuss that for hours. Maybe folks at home want to weigh in what they what they want to say by sending in a question or their responses to some of the discussions we've had this week about, you know, what the potential for Microsoft and Bethesda, you know, what to expect from Among Us going forward, the the, the potential at Lab Zero, sorry, at Future Club coming out of Lab Zero and yeah, you've got the the new Kirby game, Joy-Con Drift. Have you struggled with it? And then now we've got Mike Morhain and his new new studio. Yeah, let us know what you think. Yes. Podcast at doublejump.co or send us your responses in the Discord, doublejump.co slash Discord. Yeah. Definitely let us know what you think. We'd we'd love to read your responses on air. Yeah. And as always, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I don't know if anyone's going to find the podcast without already being on our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. 
But if you did, but hey, you, uh, you never know. Send us an email and tell us how. You know, share it with your friends. If you like what you're hearing, please share it with your friend because we 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 just want to share the love. You know, we, we we want more people to be a part of the community. Anything that helps us grow, lets us do more content and do stuff that not just entertains but informs and brings the whole community together because right now that's kind of what we need that sense of community and that camaraderie and we've seen a lot of new folks coming to the the discord server from our stream so thank you to them as well and thank you to the patrons who keep things going by donating money at patreon.com slash double jump so yeah kai is there is there anything any any closing thoughts you want to leave with the audience you know any any homework you want for them to do i've been Watching a lot of YouTube videos about old 90s platformers, uh, oh, this is a little message for them. Leave Gex alone. Gex was good. Were you, did you watch Caddy Carissa's videos on him? Uh, I did. But Gex, <laughs> Gex was a defining part of my childhood, and I keep watching these videos. All these YouTubes are like, <laughs> remember Gex? How dumb was that? Like, no, please. This is my self-identity. <laughs> Leave my childhood alone. What, what what did you play Gex on? Uh, N64. Okay. Were they originally on a PlayStation or PC? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I was too young. <laughs> Fair enough. But I loved Gex and he doesn't deserve the hate he's getting. He's very like sarcastic, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the humour humor was horrific. He was making references to Keith Richards that no one playing Gex is going to get. Oh, maybe... What was it? Is it Enter the Gecko? Was that one of them? That was the one I played. What a game! Now I just want oh. to go play Gex again. He's a, he's a lovable lizard, and he deserves more than we give him. Exactly. And he's a gecko, so he's a gecko. Is Australian? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe. I don't. But I know he was. He had an American. Was it Dana Gould or something? Was like I a, think you're thinking of Goannas. Goannas are Goannas. Australian. Okay. My bad. Geckos are everywhere. There you go. You learn something new every That's week. That's your lizard fact. <laughs> Feel, feel, feel free to write in and talk to us about the taxonomy of, of lizards. <laughs> Join us at lizard.co. Who was your favourite lizard in gaming? <laughs> anyway, thanks thanks for joining me again, right. Kai. It was a lot of fun as always. Thanks for having me. Hope I'll be, <laughs> hope I'll be back soon. And yeah, everyone, doublejump.co for all of our latest articles. If you wanted to learn more about the major news stories from this past week, as well as the stories we published, Definitely read our latest digest. It's got a lot more details about these stories, plus some more links to awesome trailers and, and independent game news as well. So, until next next time, everyone, look out for one another. See ya.